The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewired.com. Hey, why don't you grab your seat, so he's second? Is that all right? This is brilliant. It's like choir practice in here. So uh, straight off the bat, I don't have a funny accent. Y'all do, okay? So um, I'm from Belfast, Northern Ireland. Anyone ever been to Belfast? Oh, sisters blessed in the back there. Center of the universe. We all know when the Lord comes back, Revelation says he's coming back to East Belfast. Amen. Um, at the bottom of my street is where they built the Titanic, you know. And uh, my dad worked in the shipyard for 40 years. And he said, son, there was nothing wrong with it when it left Belfast. All right. It was built by us. Anyone got English blood? It was sunk by the English. Boo on you. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, yeah. So, listen, I love in the word in lots of Paul's letters, you know, where he, he sends his greetings from different places. And genuinely, uh, when I travel, it's like a sense of my church sends me. Um, I, I love my, my, my wife and I are kind of just heading up a wee one of our sites. It's, well, it's basically her. I'm awful at all that stuff. And, uh, and there is a sense of, you know, when we send that they, they really pray for what we do and, and, and the people that we meet. And uh, so there's people in East Belfast that are praying blessing on your community and, and everything that's going on here. We pray increase and reach. We pray this place will be a light, do you know what I mean, in the midst of darkness. And, and at times where it feels really, really dark, we know that the light burns infinitely brighter. Pray that this place would be uh, a house of, uh, of learning. Um, I was just actually, when we were sitting praying this morning, I was reminded of like, you know the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus is going and he's kind of passing Bethany and, um, and then uh, he ends up in the house of Mary and Martha and all of that kind of, anytime you've ever heard that taught, it's maybe around this idea of like, don't be a Martha, you know, don't run around and be so busy that you miss being a Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, and I think that's very true. But one of the things I was thinking about was, you know, 100% of the time when Jesus was invited to go into someone's house, he said yes, 100% of the time. And Jesus wouldn't have been in that house unless Mary had invited him in and opened the door. And because of that, it created a place of learning. It created a place where Mary could sit at the feet of a rabbi, where a woman could sit at the feet of a rabbi. And then it also created this space where it created relationship, where they deeply ended up caring for each other. Um, and then ultimately, you know, in their relationship with Lazarus and stuff like that, they were all so close. It created a place of life. And, uh, and I pray that in your world and in this house, I feel like, the Lord wants to encourage you that this is a place of learning. It's a place where people come and they understand who they are and maybe how broken they are, but then what redemption looks like. It's a place where they experience relationship, where they can become part of a family and they can grow. And then ultimately, it's a place where in this place and as we go from this space, we experience what the life of Christ looks like. And, uh, and I think what we see in those stories is that it spreads. It's never just for us. It's always for our wider communities and for the world. So my prayer is that this place would be a place of learning, a place of relationship, and a place of life. Um, amen? Amen. 
So I was in Oklahoma, which Oklahoma is actually where we're driving to tomorrow. God bless America. You can still drive for 12 hours and still not be where you need to be. Um, honestly, if I drove 12 hours west from my house, I would be 10 hours into the Atlantic Ocean. Right? Or I would be pretty close to Russia. All right? Boo, Russia. Anyway, um, sorry, sorry. It's not completely cool. Shh, sorry. Um, but I was in Oklahoma, and this guy said to me, y'all ever heard the song, Oh, Danny Boy? And I was like, yes, sir. that's my bad American accent, right? Uh, and I was like, yes. And, uh, and he's like, y'all ever sang the words of Amazing Grace to the tune of Oh, Danny Boy? And I said, no. So I was driving down the road with my friend in Florida, and uh, we were going to lead worship at a church. And uh, it was like really late in the night. You're trying to keep each other going and... You know, we had this moment where we started singing to each other in the car because I remembered this. So I recorded it last year for St. Patrick's Day. Um, and this is my Irish tip, all right? It's the words of Amazing Grace to the tune of O'Danny Boy, where the wee bit was sort of made up at the end, all right? And we don't have leprechauns in Ireland, just so you know that, okay? And someone deemed it lucky charms, the cereal are really bad for you, so we don't have those, all right? Oh, Amazing Grace. How sweet, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch That saved a wretch like me Oh, I once was lost And was lost, but now I'm found And I once was blind And so blind, but now I see Let's do that again Oh, amazing grace how sweet, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch That saved a wretch like me Oh, I once was lost And was lost, but now I'm found And I once was blind And so blind, but now I see Oh, and I will trust in you alone, my Savior, for you have won my heart and I am yours. Oh, and I will live each day within this victory. Oh, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing grace. Oh, amazing grace. How sweet, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, that saved a wretch like me. Oh, I once was lost, was lost, but now I'm found. And I once was blind, and so blind, but now I see. Oh, and I will trust in you alone, my Savior. For you won my heart, and I am yours. Oh, and I will live each day within this victory. Oh, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Oh, and I will trust 
in you alone, my Savior. For you won my heart, and I am yours. Oh, and I will live each day within this victory. Oh, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Oh, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Oh, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Such a beautiful sound, your grace and your mercy day by day. Amen, amen. All right, so uh, I'm going to sing a song called Jericho, but um, just before I tell you the story of that, I want to share just a little bit of context of how my, my wee world of Belfast, East Belfast, and being able to begin to travel and all of that kind of stuff has interjected and, and kind of met these guys at World Orphans. A whole bunch of years ago, uh, my missions pastor in church. Do you know my church, um, do you know the song? Oh, and these are the days of Elijah. Right, revival in Belfast. Behold, he comes with flags and all are going riding on the clouds. So that's my church back home, right? So Rob and Mark, all that good stuff. And uh, great place, love it the bits. Um, and uh, my missions pastor from church was like, boy, do, will you get a few people and we'll all jump on a plane, and we're going to go on a mission trip to Thailand, right? Um, I didn't know where it was, but I was like, let's go. Yeah, so I managed to rally the troops, and I'd done stuff in, like, Europe and all that kind of stuff, but I'd never been somewhere where, like, you know, straight off the plane, giant statue of some mad Buddha thing or something. Do you know what I mean? I'd never seen that before, okay? And uh, our role was a worship team, the classic stuff, play everywhere, have your guitar 24-7, rock and roll, like be ready to go at any minute. Wherever happens, happens. There's a worship stuff that's going on in Bangkok. We'll jump in with a church here. We'll play at a school here. All of that good stuff. Then after that, we jumped on a plane and we went to this small coastal town called Pattaya, P-A-T-T-A-Y-A. And there's maybe a few little layers in the room, but it's built on the industry of prostitution, okay? No less than 30,000 females, 18 and above, that we know of, okay? Um, it's broken up into different districts called SOIs, S-O-I. So if you want this, you go here. If you want this, you go here. And it all then accumulates in this pedestrian area, this main street. It's a kilometer long. And every single one of those bars has thousands of girls for sale, okay? I'd never seen anything like this in my life. You know, growing up in the Troubles, 1998, I was part of that group that signed the peace agreement in Northern Ireland. We've seen our country completely radically transformed. But we grew up through this. You know, I was 18 when that happened. And my whole childhood, there was always bombs, murders, killings, all of that stuff. But I'd never seen this before. I'd never seen people being bought and sold as a commodity and then such a lack of value being placed on human life. And uh, it was a real, I, I roomed with a real great friend of mine from back home. We're still best mates. And we were having these conversations about, you know, where's God in the midst of this? 
whose fault, whose responsibility. Do all these great wrestling matches that you have with the Lord. So we were we were having those conversations, and uh, but we had like two days off. And I said to my mission pastor, I was like, yo, can you get us somewhere else to play? So he spoke to someone who knew someone who knew someone else. And the joys of Lost in Translation, we end up being able to play in the middle of one of these brothels for two hours, right? One of these bars. Now, that's not ever something I had on my worship bucket list, right? It was just... The joys, and all the bar owner knew was there's an Irish band that are going to play for free for two hours, and they had a strong fan base, i.e. it was our mission team, right? So we all wheeled in on this bar called the Climax Bar, and the deal was obviously two hours. Our mission team's there, and we just began to worship. Now, I knew four songs, but I could, charismatics can make those go on for like, you know what I mean, two hours. So the, the days of Elijah are still going. The deer is still panting for the water. You know what I mean? 30 minutes later, all that good stuff, right? And in an hour into this, I just began to sing. I'd call it the prophetic, call it like deep cries. Whatever you want, they'll label that. I just began to sing, you're the God of this city. You're the king of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things have still to be done in this city. And uh, wrote that song in the middle of that bar, in the middle of that brothel. Took notes on the way back, all that jazz, and then sang it at a youth event back home. I never really thought then anything of it. Uh, ended up, and I'm not name dropping, I don't know the guy really, uh, but Chris Tomlin was in Belfast. We got, he was playing in the arena. We have an ice hockey arena. And... Um, we were the band that got asked to kind of play as well. Uh, I don't even know how, but we just did. Um, but we were the guys that played at like 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Do you know when no, no one's there? You know what I mean? There's a few diehards are there, but they're still putting out the chairs and all that good stuff, sweeping the floor. We were like, rock on, let's go, right? So we're, we're there, and his guitar player heard the song. It really made sense in their world. And lo and behold, then... I actually randomly got a phone call. I was up a ladder. I was a window cleaner at this time. And I was like, hey, Aaron, how you doing? And I was like, what? Hung up. I thought it was one of my friends. And it actually was him. And so then this whole conversation arised. And uh, he starts singing the song, telling the story. And then I have the opportunity to begin to travel. Now, after seeing what I saw in Thailand, I came back with the guy that I roomed with. And we were deeply affected. Honestly, genuinely deeply affected. I'd never heard of the term like child sex exploitation mentioned in church. I'd never heard human trafficking. I didn't know any stats, any numbers, any anything. And we made it a, like a commitment at that point and in my family's commitment where it's like, uh, like, how do I help people meet Jesus in songs and music and all of that stuff? And then how do we help a bunch of kids across the world that have a voice, but just because of where they're born and their circumstances that they're silenced, and then they end up in these really abusive scenarios. How do we help stop that? Ezekiel 22.30 says that God looks around for someone that would breach the gap, right? And there is a gap between my life and what goes on there. And how do we be someone that sits and stands in the middle of that and advocates for these kids? And, and that was the start of this journey. And, and, and you know, it kind of uh, had some relationships with some organizations, all good. Um, and then... A couple of years later, uh, I was approached at a festival by this great lunatic, a guy by the name of Mike Crick, who's actually Danielle's boss now. And he told me the story of how him and two other people were in Southeast Asia. They were in this small town called Patia. They were walking down a street, 
and uh, it, was, it was the main street called Walking Street. They had seen all the bars, all of the stuff. They were deeply troubled and deeply moved, and they went back to the hotel, and that one of the guys had played me singing God of the City over the very same city that they were in. They didn't know the story of the song. They didn't know any of that stuff. Uh, they came back to the States. They'd heard the story. They did a bit of research. And then, lo and behold, I happened to be playing at uh, Northern Michigan at a music festival um, where World Orphans had this experience tent set up. And all the way along, I was praying for an organization that would just become family. And uh, that was about nine or 10 years ago. And uh, we started to do a tour, which was just like, you know, my friend Mike was like, how do we do this? They said, well, I'll tell people about Jesus and sing songs and all that stuff. And then what we do is we just highlight what, your, what the church, the global church is already doing across the world. And then let's help support them in that. And it's been an absolute honor. And I just want to say thank you for letting me invade your stage this morning, some Irish guy. And uh, it really, really means a lot. Um, and so that's, that's how... We have kind of come together and we've begun to do this. And I just felt like for me in my life and my family's life, it was such a God moment and such a God story that we just have to be faithful to. And uh, we've loved every minute of it. Even though we end up doing 13-hour drives, it's just absolutely glorious. It really is. And I'm going to sing a song called Jericho really quick. And then uh, Danielle is going to come up and share a little bit. Um, I have three daughters. Please pray for me. I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. Um, I got my boy dog, though, so let's go, right? And uh, my eldest daughter's 16, so 16, 14, and 9. And uh, my 16-year-old uh, was born with cystic fibrosis, which is like this genetic lung thing. And uh, she'd never been in hospital apart from once, uh, bronchitis. And uh, CF just makes it harder to get rid of. Mucus is stickier, bacteria sticks, all of that kind of stuff. So when she's born... The doctors are like, you know, isn't it really good now? CF kids live into their 30s and this stuff. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's good. I, I don't know if that's good news or not, you know. So this, this was kind of like our life. Looks like you're doing CPR on your kid the whole kind of whole way through their, their junior years. And then they get to do stuff by themselves. And uh, when she was about 13, uh, we come back. She so come back from the States. We all come out here in the summer. Uh, my wife preaches and, and I lead worship. And it's great. We absolutely love it. Um, and uh, we come home, and she got these two really bad bacteria that actually we don't really have back home. And uh, there are these bacteria that kind of never really leave. And um, so we we start off then on a new course of antibiotics for eight weeks. Once that's done, then you do the test. You're waiting on the results. It's a Tuesday. We're waiting on the results. Maybe like October time, something like that. We're in a park. The phone goes. My wife gets the call. It's a specialist. It's all clear. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. So I run, and I tell Lily, it's all clear. You don't have to go in the hospital, and uh, it's unbelievable. She was super stoked and then ran on. An hour later, my wife gets a phone call, and they're like, yo, we're really sorry. We read someone else's results completely wrong. This thing's massively grown. you got to get in straight away. So I went from like, oh, Lord Jesus, you're my best friend. This is amazing, to like, I don't even think there is a God anymore. You know, that kind of thing. All in the space of one hour. And uh, it was a Tuesday, Tuesday night. Normally, there's a, a women's Bible study in my house that my wife started. And I'll go off normally. And I'm already outnumbered, but I'll go and do something like manly, like chop wood or get into a fight or something. You know what I mean? Something like that. And, uh, but I ended up in my uh, missions pastor or my worship pastor's house and there was three of us in the room and uh, we just began this conversation and I was at bits 
and uh, there's a lot of crying, a lot of praying, a lot of whatever, and invariably a guitar comes out, you know, because we're all worshipers, and we wrote this song this night, just based around the picture that, you know, I have a big scary Jericho, you know, my worship pastor's sister had half of her brain removed to stop seizures, didn't work, you know, as a family, they have a big scary Jericho, but there's always a promise that sits and rules and reigns above it all, and every time we lap, my prayer is that whatever yours is, that you dare to believe that you're one step closer to breakthrough, you know. We know the story. Sensi on the 13th time, the walls came down. And I pray that you lap, you know, your, your walls in some sense of rest, knowing that he's got you. But in the midst of our conversation, my worship pastor said to me, you know, he's brought, have you got questions for the Lord? And I was like, man, absolutely. And uh, ultimately, one day, we're going to stand before the King of Kings. And I just think everything will make sense in a moment, you know. But until then... May we dare to be people that keep believing and breakthrough, you know, and, uh, and keep pressing on. In our family, my daughter started a new set of drugs, and uh, her lung functions in three days went from 65 to over 100 to 103, okay? Now, that's amazing. One of those bad bacteria is completely gone, and the other one is pretty much already gone as well, you know? And so we're, you know, we're still believing for the genetic change. We're still holding on to that moment, but we're so thankful of what we're already experiencing, you know? And, and may, may the, we, you know, just we stand in agreement. We say yes and amen to whatever it is that you need to experience breakthrough in your life, all right? This is Jericho. To all our questions, there will be an answer, and in all our trials you remain. Oh, and even in the valley, hope is arising for peace. It has a name, and it's Christ the Lord who stays the same. Just like the walls came down at Jericho And just like the armies fled When worship rose and we believe in breakthrough We believe in you Just like your voice, it calmed the raging sea And just like the veil was torn through Calvary, we believe in breakthrough. We believe in you. And to all our questions, there will be an answer. And in all our trials, you remain. Oh, and even in the valley, hope is arising for peace. It has a name, and it's Christ the Lord who stays the same. Just like the walls came down at Jericho, just like the armies fled, when worship rose, we believe in breakthrough. We believe in you, just like your voice, it calmed the raging sea, and just like the veil was torn through Calvary, we believe in breakthrough, we believe in you, for he is alive and he saves. 
forever, oh, he has won the day. Nothing can stand against him, nothing can stand in his way, for he is alive and he saves. And just like the walls came down at Jericho, just like the armies fled, when worship rose, we believe in breakthrough, we believe in you. Just like your voice, it calmed the raging scene, just like the veil was torn through Calvary, we believe in breakthrough, we believe in you. To all our questions, there will be an answer, and in all our trials, you remain. Oh, and even in the valley, hope is rising for peace, it has a name. Yes, peace, it has a name. And it's Christ the Lord who stays the same. Amen, church. Amen. All right. Let's keep the round of applause going, ladies and gentlemen. Daniel Book, let's go. If only I had a fraction of your energy, <laughs> oh man, I'd be good to go. <laughs> oh, it is so good to be here. I'm from Michigan, so anytime I get to be like in the Midwest area, I just feel so at home. So it feels really, really good. Um, it also feels so good to be on the road again. We um, had so many plans. We had um, great vision. Like we felt like... Uh, 2020 was going to be like the year of like, I mean, we just knew exactly what we were going to do. Like our year was mapped out. My boss and I were like high five and like, we so have this this year <laughs> and COVID. Um, and so I remember I was in Guatemala. I led like one of the last trips um, that our organization um, got to do. And someone had said it was in February. Someone goes, aren't you guys like nervous about like this whole like coronavirus thing and like going? And at the time, I'd I hadn't even heard of it. I was like, Psh, no. I was like, if it was going to be a big deal, I'm sure we wouldn't have even be allowed to go on the trip. Like we're fine. Yeah, like two weeks later, the whole world gets shut down. So um, anyway, this is our first tour um, outside of Michigan um, since then. So we are like so geeked just to be able to like be with our family, our church family again. So thank you again so much for having us. Um, so I'm just going to share briefly a little bit um, about the model of World Orphans, who we are, what our heartbeat is. Um, I am obsessed with story. I think that story unlocks a portion of our brain that logic just can't. So I'm going to weave some stories in the middle of all of that too. Um, and then just invite you guys into the bigger experience um, and see if this is something that the Lord is just stirring in your heart. So two things that I think are really important that you know about World Orphans um, and our model. Number one is we fully believe that the church is the hope of the world, that God has crafted this, this 
mystical phenomenon called the church that we get to all take part in. And this is what he is using to bring hope, to bring justice, to bring love into the world. We are an extension of who our God is. And so everything that World Orphans does to bring justice, to bring care for vulnerable kids and vulnerable families is solely done through the church. I think a lot of times, and maybe this is just me, but I hear the word orphan and automatically I think orphanage. Automatically I think kids that aren't wanted, that are abandoned, these awful parents that are just like kids, nah, like ship them off to an orphanage. But that is so not true. And as we've like dug into this whole thing of like um, orphans and vulnerability and whatever, what we have discovered is there's this stat, there's 153 million orphan kids in the world today, 153 million. And out of that number, 80% of them actually have a living relative. So that causes us to stop and say like, okay, so how, how is this happening then? Like, how are these kids becoming orphaned? And as we've studied and as we've talked to our church pastors and local people, we've discovered that there's a common thread woven through all of that, and it's poverty. So these mothers, out of absolute desperation, not wanting to surrender their kids, no mother wants to do that. Like, it's out of desperation that she's thinking the best solution so that I don't have to pick which one of my kids gets to eat today so that I don't have to pick which one of my kids has to go work in the fields, which one do I have to sell, which one gets to go to school. Instead of doing that, I'm going to drop them off to an orphanage because at least they will get a meal a day. So this is like the type of like mental mentality that we're having like to understand and deal with. Can you even imagine? I'm not a mother. I have six nieces and nephews. And the thought of having to choose which one of my kids got to eat that day like, it's absolutely horrific. These are decisions that no parent should ever have to make, right? And so as we've dug into this, we've seen, like, these are the situations that we're dealing with here. And so this 80%, we've started waking up and saying, how do we support these people? How do we support these families? How do we support these mothers that don't want to have to surrender their kids to orphanages? What do we do? And as the church, as the hope of the world, God, what have you called us to do? part two of who World Orphans is, we believe that children belong in families, that God has set up the family unit as, as this, again, this beautiful phenomenon as a way for us to experience his love, to experience his goodness, right? Children belong in families, and there is something so sacred about the family unit. So the church steps in, identifies the most vulnerable in their community, these mothers that are on the brink of having to surrender their kids to orphanages, and the church says, what can we do to support you? And so instead of just chucking money at these families, because honestly, how unloving would that be? Like, I absolutely love that our God isn't just like a God that's like, hey, go love people because that's the right thing to do. But he said, hey, I'm going to send you my son, and I'm going to show you what love looks like. I'm going to show you what sacrifice looks like. I'm going to show you what serving, what washing someone else's feet looks like. And this is who I am. This is my character. And this now is who you are. This is who my bride is. This is what I have called you to do. It is Christ in you now, the 
the hope of glory. And so as the church, we identify these vulnerable families. We step in and we say, how do we support you? Let's get you started with a microloan. Let's get you invested in a savings group. Let's start businesses. Let's get you thriving and move you from like at like barely surviving to now thriving. And I want to share with you a story where I got to see like this whole thing full circle come to play. I was in Ethiopia. And I got to sit down and meet um, this mother. Her name's Belmish. She had two little boys, and her husband had left her. And she was barely making it, right? So this whole statistic of being able to, like, having to choose which one of her kids got to eat today, this was Belmish. This is what she was living out. So this mother was like, the only option that I have is to take my two boys to this orphanage. And so she like drops him off at the orphanage, right? These two little boys so scared in this environment that was so unfamiliar to them. Why is my mother leaving me? You know, she's like heartbroken that she has to do this. Um, she tries to visit as much as she can, but obviously like circumstances like come into play and she just couldn't. And the last time she went to visit her boys, they didn't even recognize her. They didn't know who she was. And so World Orphans heard about her story through her local church in Ethiopia, and they said, what can we do? So they helped her start a business. She was selling tea in the market. And then through her savings group that she was in, she was able to save money now, right? And she's able to support herself. She was able to buy land. She was able to buy home. She was sustaining herself completely on her own. She was able to go back to the orphanage, get her two boys, take them by the hand, bring them home, and they are now back in the family unit as it should have been from the beginning. And it's stories like this that we get to hear and be a part of over and over and over again. Churches in the U.S. partnering with churches in these developing countries and saying, what can we do? We are so incredibly blessed where we are, right? We have so so much in abundance. What can we do to help support what it is that you're trying to do in your community? How do we pray for you? How do we support you? And we have seen this church-to-church -church partnership absolutely transform the lives of people in Ethiopia, in Haiti, in Iraq. We've seen communities completely transforming because why? The church has stepped up and has been the light into which like is transforming in the lives of these people. Um, the last trip that I was on, um, like I said, in Guatemala, and it's gonna be the last uh, story that I share with you, but um, we were there, um, small, small little church, and we were just playing, um, worshiping, um, building relationship, and um, the pastor does this really cool thing at the end of the service, and it's called um, a time uh, giving a testimony of faith of like what God's doing in your life. And I don't think that we do that enough, actually, uh, give testimony of what God is doing in, in our life. And so it was a really special moment for us just to sit and hear like what God was doing in the lives of these Guatemalan people. And this mother um, stands up, and she just has these tears like just streaming down her face, and she said, my son for months and months has every night when we pray, prayed and um, asked God for pizza. Like he just wanted to try pizza. He'd heard of it, he wanted to try it, and she was like, I could never afford to give him pizza, you know? She, they're living off of a dollar a day. Um, and so she was just like, um, 
as a mother, I can't even, the simplicity of being able to give your child pizza, wanting to do that, but can't, you know, because of her circumstance. And wouldn't you know that day that we arrived to play with these kids, what we brought in for lunch that day was pizza. And she had said, you know, with tears streaming down her face, she was just like, what this has done for my little boy is it has communicated to him that God sees the little details of his life, the little longings that my little guy has. God hears it, he sees it, and he cares. And I just want to leave us with this encouragement. God has given every single person in this room the ability to change a life. And it doesn't have to be some big, grand thing. It doesn't have to be you're going all over the world and delivering Bibles to China. Like, it it doesn't have to be that. It can be as simple as, like, stopping and listening, being present with whatever is in front of you, whoever is in front of you, and offering them the love of Christ, the hope of Christ, and just being obedient to that with our finances, with our time, with the gifts that God has given us. And so I just want to challenge and encourage you guys with just stop and take a minute just to think and ask God, like, what is it that you have given me? What is it that you have placed in my hands? What abilities, resources, whatever that is, and how can I use that to make an impact for your kingdom, right? Because the best thing that I loved about COVID is in the middle of everything shutting down, borders shutting down, country, our whole world shutting down. You know what never shut down? The kingdom of God. And his church still advanced. His church, these churches that we partner with, communities, mothers, children, were still being taken care of because you cannot stop the kingdom of God. And that is why he has set up the church the way that he has because you can't shut down love. You cannot shut down connection. That is kingdom. And so whatever you can do uh, to keep investing in that, that is my challenge to you. And if you're feeling like, hey, my heart is really resonating with this mission of World Orphans, and you guys want to sew into that. We would love it. So many different ways to do that. Pastor Rob is actually going to explain um, more of that um, at the end of the service and stuff. But before I wrap this up real quick, I actually had a quick video um, that I wanted to share with you guys just to kind of drive home um, who we are as an organization um, and our heartbeat uh, to love God well and to serve his people well. Today on our planet, there are 153 million orphans. 153 million. 153 million little lives. 85% of them have a living relative that could take on the responsibility of carer. But because of poverty, this is often not even possible. The model of God's kingdom, the way he desired the world to flourish, centered around family. Psalm 68.6 says, God places the lonely in family. This was his system of protection, provision, and purpose. Throughout the entire Bible, we hear God's compassionate heartbeat for the orphan, the widow, the poor, the outcast, the most vulnerable in society. Their welfare has always mattered to him, and it still matters. What if we've got our focus wrong? 
prophet Amos declared this download from heaven. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you signed to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all that I want. What if we woke up to what really matters to God? What if we could keep families together? What if we could remove the barriers of finance? What if we could rewrite the story of the orphan and the vulnerable? What if? James says this true spirituality that is pure in the minds of our Father God is to make a difference in the lives of the orphans and the widows in their troubles and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. Our walk needs to match our talk. The church, the family of God, we are his hands, his feet, his representatives here on earth. If it matters to him, it should matter to us. The numbers, 153 million. It's huge. The situation seems impossible. But we know that's where God does his best work. What if we woke up to who we really are? His agents on earth, carrying his hope, his love, carrying his power. One life at a time, we could change the story. All of heaven is waiting for us the church to wake up and to move. see that you're encouraged. I hope when you see that there's so much um, these past few years, I think that um, has been really easy to take our mind off of the goodness of God, right? And, and to shift our focus um, from gratitude. But I hope when you see that, you see that there's, there's the kingdom advancing and you are a part of that. And so we want to thank you and bless you in Jesus' name in that. If you want to get more involved with World Orphans, please come see me. We have the ability to um, swipe the visa if you wanted to get involved that way. Um, and Pastor Rob's going to explain some more, like I said, about that. Um, or if there's content you want to snag, um, come see me at the table. But I'm going to pray real quick. Um, and then Aaron's got one more song for us. God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to be with family um, with my brothers and sisters, Lord. And God, it's just so awesome to just stop and pause and in the stillness, just remember 
that you have called us for something so much greater. That this, this place is not our home. We're just passing through. It's this space that we get to experience your goodness. That's what the world is, God. It's this place that we get to love each other. And through love, God, we get to see lives transformed. How awesome is that? Your beauty that made our hearts adore you. And God, right now, in the middle of whatever is going on in our lives, God, how great is it that we get to stop and reflect on this beautiful, kind, faithful, generous God that has brought us into relationship with himself through sacrifice. Your desire has always been partnership and relationship with your people, always, from the beginning, And God's circumstances might try and rip that away from us and it might try and confuse us and it might try and taint the truth of who you are, God. But we stand on truth this morning and we remember that it's relationship with you that has changed our lives. And through that, through our changed lives, we get to go now and we get to change the world. And so God, I pray for a spirit of encouragement to fall this morning. I pray that your people would walk out of here with their heads lifted high, knowing that there is a God that sees them, that knows them, that has a plan and a purpose for their life. And we get to link arms with the community of believers all over the world and take a stand for justice. Take a stand for what your heart is, and that is seeing the vulnerable fulfilled, their worth, their identity given back to them, their voices being able to be heard again. This is who you are, and this is what we choose to partner with, God. We thank you for who you are, and we bless your name, and we pray that whatever finances raised today, God, that it would advance your kingdom in such a mighty way. And through it all, yours and yours alone, your name would be given glory, Jesus. All of this for you. In your name we pray, amen. You're the God of this city. You're the king of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. Oh, you are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. Oh, you are. Oh, and there is no one like our God. Oh, and there is no one like you, God. Oh, and greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. And greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done here. Oh, you're the Lord of creation. 
the creator of all things. You're the king above all kings. Oh, you are. You're the strength in the weakness. You're the love to the broken. You're the joy in the sadness. Oh, you are. Oh, and there is no one like our God. Oh, and there is no one like you, God. Oh, and greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Where glory shines from heart to life with praise for you and love for you in this city. Oh, and greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done here. Oh, and there is no one like our God. Oh, and there is no one like our God. Oh, and there is no one like you, God. Oh, and there is no one like you, God. Oh, and greater things have yet to come. Greater things have still to be done in this city. Where glory shines from heart to life with praise for you and love for you in this city. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things have still to be done in this city. Oh, and greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done here. Oh, for we exalt Thee, yes, we do. We exalt Thee. We exalt Thee. Oh, Lord, over every life and home and family, God, we exalt Thee, yeah. We exalt Thee. We exalt Thee. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping Him. If you don't have a church home, 
consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com.